I want General Pritchard. Mine's busy, sir. Will you wait? Yeah, I'll wait. Writes Gately. You've got a right to explain to General Pritchard cowardice, desertion of your post, a yellow streak a mile wide. And maybe he can explain it to your father so that they'll both be proud of you. Hello. You can tell him right Mine's now. Hello, I have your line, sir. Hello. General Savage. I withdraw my statement. Hello. Hello. Hello, I have your line, sir. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Doe. And this week we are finishing up the 1949 awards with the World War II drama 12 O'Clock High, starring Gregory Peck. Is this the first time we've seen Gregory Peck use his powers for evil? I just, I didn't, uh, yeah? I mean, are they for evil? I... Exactly? I mean, here's the thing. I found this movie very boring, and I know I said that last week, but it happened again. (laughs) The story is better. It's a better movie, but it was very quiet and kind of boring. Yeah, I I found this movie uh, not interesting, but like what held my attention through this movie that I would agree is extremely boring is like, oh, it's surprisingly late that we get to... Daddy's only emotionally abusive because he loves you so much as like a World War II thing. Like, just shut the fuck up and take it. The usual army thing of you're going to be yelled at a bunch by your commanding officer. (laughs) Right. Or any military thing, really. Yeah, it is kind of late in the game. I mean, I guess I didn't really think of it as daddy is only abusive to you because he loves you because it's the military. So he's not actually a third dad. And isn't this just how they treat each other? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is just tremendous amounts of this movie are spent with people in the military going, don't treat your soldiers like that. And Gregory Peck going, I'm gonna. That like everyone else is like, hey, maybe like show a single ounce of compassion directly to all of the people who are flying and killing themselves for you. <laughs> And he's like, actually, I think that fucking sucks and makes you a pansy. And these are men. And it fucking sucks. It is there so that there can be this acting showcase in Act 3. Actually, he cared the whole time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Did they actually say anything about him showing compassion? Or are they just like, you're a hard ass and everybody wants to leave because you're a hard ass. And then he's like, no, but my methods. There's like four different scenes where people come in and are like, here's my suggestion. Don't be such a dick. Right. But there's a slight difference between don't be a dick and show some measure of direct compassion. It's a subtle difference, but it's there. I mean, show some measure of direct compassion is exactly directly what the previous commander tells him. And he's like, well, you know what? That's why you're not a soldier anymore. To be fair, they apparently were sucking at their job. And then he made them not. Though he does get up and tell them, just, you're already dead. (laughs) I mean, like, actually says that. Yeah. Just... You're dead already, so stop worrying about dying. And I'm like, wow, that's intense. 
Yeah, so uh, the plot description of this, which is really quick, because as Susan says, long stretches of this are just like, be bored. That's what's <laughs> happening is nothing. But the first 15 minutes, you're following this guy that is the commander of the sort of first group of daytime bombers from America in World War II. And bombing during the day... Uh, sucks because they can see you and so you get shot down a lot and this guy is cracking up because instead of showing any compassion about that the army is like actually fly lower actually fly more missions actually kill more of your soldiers and explicitly the army is trying to figure out the breaking point for doing this which they call maximum effort. Which is some real Soviet Union style shit. Yeah. <laughs> what is the point where people just flip the fuck out and are like, you know what? I'd rather be executed for desertion than do this. Maximum effort. <laughs> and if you think that this is going to be a movie about a commander taking a brave stand on behalf of his troops in the face of a faceless bureaucracy, well, fuck you. Because Gregory Peck is here to say that guy is a pansy and he's in charge now. That is true. I, I mean, I don't know that he ever directly <laughs> says pansy, but he does show up and he says to the sergeant, well, you're private now, and it's my job to lead all of these people. He uses a specific over-identification with his men. Yes. And specifically says, like, he is a broken soldier now because he has over-identification with his men. And you're like, uh, okay? And then there's this very long portion where people repeatedly go, like, Hey, maybe just telling them they're all going to die and they're dead already and that you just have to keep flying missions is not the way to go about this. And he goes, actually, it is for like an hour of this movie that is easily an hour too long because it's like 215. It's two hours and 15 minutes ish. Oh, yeah. And it does not need to be this. I mean, does it? I. Uh... <sighs> This could be- I don't like this movie, and I find long stretches of it boring. My major question is, if it were an hour and 15 minutes long, would the, oh, he actually cared about them all along reveal have felt less earned? It already doesn't feel but earned. I don't know that it could feel less earned. Yeah, I, so. like, it's, he already gets <laughs> randomly paralyzed. <sighs> So there's this long portion of him going like, hey, fuck you, die. And everybody going, I hate this. I hate him. And then suddenly they don't. Like, you would think it would be because they go on this successful bombing mission. But they very specifically state that that didn't turn everything around. That they're all like, I don't see the point of this. I can't actually feel anything about the war. I just have to keep going up in planes and waiting to die. Right. And then two scenes later, he's like, well, I guess that's it. The inspector general is here to tell me I did a bad job. And then somebody comes in and goes, all the soldiers love you now. They all said that the inspector general can fuck himself and you're the greatest guy that ever lived. And you're like, they did? Why the hell did they do that? Like, they all hate him. Yeah, the, and there's no reason why that reversal happens. 
at all. There's no, oh, well, but they saw him, you know, rubbing elbows with them in the mess hall, and they're like, yeah, we're totally willing to die for this guy. I guess I'm supposed to assume that that change comes about because he has this sonorous baritone. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. My feeling is that what happens is that the successful bombing run does it, but it's like a delayed reaction to build tension. But instead, it just makes you deeply confused because the very easy reason is directly, they have a whole scene of like, no, that didn't do it. You're still screwed. And then it just happens anyway. Anyway, then they all love him for a while and are willing to go on increasingly dangerous missions to destroy a ball-bearing factory. Which is an actual thing that happened in World War II. Yeah. That had a significant impact on Germany being defeated. Yeah. Supposedly. There's something here that a better movie could dig into about how small and weird and pointless actually really decisive things are. Small and weird and pointless is how they feel when they're actually really decisive, and that could influence a lot how these bombers feel about what they're doing, where they're so removed from the situation that they feel like this is all pointless, but it turns out it isn't. But this movie doesn't actually go into any of that, and instead just goes like, hey, here's a thing that happened, ball bearings. I mean, they were needed in pretty much everything, so, you know. Yeah. And apparently Germany made all of their ball bearings at this one factory, or the vast majority of them. Anyway, he can't go on the last mission because he's so paralyzed by anxiety, because he's reached the point of maximum effort in pretending like he doesn't love all of his soldiers. And does the classic... I mean, we still do this today, but I feel like we've been watching a lot of movies lately that do the acting showcase of not having to act yeah acting showcase of staring at a wall because he's just comatose for like 15 minutes then all the soldiers come back and he slowly is able to drag himself to the phone to go like ah the plane's good and then pass out oh by the way there's like a framing device where this tertiary character in 1949 sees a prop from the movie and in a like antique store and is like this is gonna make me remember my experiences in world war ii does not matter in the fucking slightest yeah and then he rides away on a bicycle at the end of the movie and you're like okay i will say actually that framing device has one good thing about it which is the transition into the world war ii stuff where they start with this non-diegetic sound of him remembering the airplanes. Mm. And then those airplane noises get louder and louder. And the wind sort of keeps picking up until you realize, oh, they've just turned gigantic fans on to blow directly in this guy's face. Because the transition of the memory is so powerful that he's feeling the wind from the propellers. And then it pans over to the airfield that's now, like, filled with people and planes. And that's pretty cool. The rest of the movie isn't as cool as that. Yeah, this actually won Best Sound Recording, and I don't know how... It's gotta be just for that bit, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many of those awards they had given at this point. But, I mean, this sounds good. I will say, it's very bizarre, though, that Gregory Peck's dialogue is just a couple levels louder than everybody else's. <laughs> yeah. 
right? Like, that was not just me. Because I felt like every time anybody else spoke, not every time, because I learned to just pay better attention. But there were a number of times where I had to go back and listen to what somebody else said because Gregory Peck had been so much louder that I had turned the volume down. (laughs) It was very strange. It was not quite that pronounced for me, but it was definitely like, oh, this is a Gregory Peck scene. I should turn my headphones down a notch. Which is why I say that the reason that they decide not to go forward with their transfer requests is because of his baritone is because the movie basically is like yeah I mean this seems pretty rough and he did just tell a room full of you know young men who were 16 to 20 to consider themselves already dead but doesn't he have a pretty voice I mean, that's the thing, is that once it transitions into them liking him, it is this, like, withholding father whose approval I need dynamic that the whole company seems to be operating on. I'm using, like, all the wrong terms for everything. They're airmen, not soldiers. I'm sure this isn't called a company. I don't care. This movie sucks. If this movie were better, I would... be trying harder to get any of this right i mean they were the army air force at the time it was not a separate branch of the military so whatever (laughs) yeah he does have that one tender moment with the guy who got injured that's how you win daddy's approval is you end up in the infirmary he also very specifically when he gets in there goes i'm not here to see anyone in particular and says hi to like three other dudes before he says hi to that guy right but then he sits with them for a while and there's you know the music that's like oh well can't you tell from the strings that he has some feelings about this right but it is still like withholding daddy behavior it's just if you get shot withholding daddy will like let you know that he actually cares about you Right, but nobody else is allowed to know. Exactly. That's what I mean about, like, Gregory Peck using his powers for evil, is that in a lot of ways, this is a typical Gregory Peck performance. This is a stern father who knows what he's doing, who's gonna make sure it all works out okay. But instead of fighting racism, he's just telling a bunch of 19-year-olds to die. Yep. (laughs) And... I mean, they're fighting Nazis. I get what's going on here, but this movie plays like a one-man-against-the-world inspirational film where the thing people keep trying to stop him from doing is being an asshole. (laughs) No, he's gonna keep doing it. Well, and then it turns out that it is good, actually, because it makes them better at their militarying. Right. But is it the worst war movie we've watched nominated in this year? No. <laughs> Christ, no. Let's rate this and say don't watch this so that we can get to ordering the movies of this year, of 1949. Um, Four? Four. We haven't talked about how the cinematography is pretty good. The fight scenes are good. But also, are they any better than what they were in Wings? (laughs) No, in some ways they're weirdly worse because there's a lot of, like, file footage of actual World War II bombing runs. 
that was not created with an eye towards cinematography. Like... Right. And some of it looks super fake and like cell animation. Yeah. I actually think the on the ground stuff has a little bit better cinematography, but it's like everyone is doing what they need to do. Like Gregory Peck is giving a good enough performance. The cinematography is good enough. The performances are, generally speaking, good enough but there's like nothing here that is good enough to wake me out of my stupor of this being a boring movie. There's nothing that actually grabs my attention. I feel like that is the highest sin a war movie can commit is being boring. Yeah. It's about war. Unless that's the point. It's like, oh, war is actually long stretches of just sitting around being fucking bored, which is sort of what Full Metal Jacket does. But the way that... And that's the second time I've brought up this movie in two weeks, but whatever. But, you know, the point of it is that long stretches of war are just super boring, punctuated by absolute horror. And this one talks about horror a lot, but there never is anything that's actually horrifying that happens. Yeah. There's a specter of death. And then, you know, it turns out that actually everything is fine. I think that's why... I'm a little bit down on the cinematography of the in the air fight stuff is that on a certain level, I want this to be a full metal jacket thing where you like never leave the airbase. You never actually get to see them fight. Just sometimes they come home and sometimes they don't. Because I think that's the psychological thing that Gregory Peck is going through that we're supposed to experience to make us feel that breakdown in Act 3. But because we just sort of see them fly out heroically and do these big heroic things, you never feel that sort of pointlessness that people talk about and that remove that people are saying makes this so hard. And so people are just telling you, like you say, that this is horrifying, but you're watching a standard war movie. Yeah. And a standard war movie where things go generally pretty well after the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Four seems fine. Like, if I were in a worse mood, I'd go down to three. But, like, I honestly don't care about this movie enough to argue for a lower grade. Yeah, I mean, we have been trying to record this for days because both of our apartments have had construction things happening. (laughs) Or, like, maintenance things, whatever. And I was becoming so impatient that I was like, fuck it, I don't care if there's jackhammering. Like, I have to stop keeping this movie in my brain because it was so utterly boring (laughs) that trying to keep it in my consciousness has been just an Herculean effort. (laughs) Ah, yeah. God. Okay, I have one more thing I suddenly want to say about this movie and then let's never speak of it again. I love that this poster's like, we need a lady in there, and so puts the nurse that's on screen for all of 30 seconds on the poster. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, oh, so uh, how's he doing? He's recovering very well. End of her entire part. Yeah, God, like, yeah, this poster is trying so hard to make you think there's a romance component to this movie, and there isn't. Nope, not even a little. Yeah. Anyway, uh, goodbye to 12 O'Clock High forever. You were our 
third best movie of this year, tragically. Oh, I... Yeah, I'm going to say it's actually the fourth best movie of this year. So is All the King's Men the best film of this year? For one, yes, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, because I'm going to be a little bit perverse and be like, A Letter to Three Wives was so fucking insane. That's... mm, (laughs) That I kind of enjoyed it more. (laughs) uh, I mean... Yes, A Letter to Three Wives is the only enjoyable time I had watching any of these five movies, but long stretches of it are just bad. Like, not even boring, but just, like, actively they did a bad job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's something kind of perversely entertaining about that. Yeah, I mean, this was not a great year for film. No. All the King's Men has some really incredible performances and... It's a message movie that is not just a message. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's the better film. Yeah, but it's absolutely a win by default. It was not not a good year for nominees. Again, look at next year, because like, I've only watched two of those five movies before in my life, and both of them beat all the Kingsmen. Yeah. (laughs) And there's another two that I've heard about and I'm looking forward to watching. But my ratings are All the King's Men at the top, followed by, uh, I I think The Heiress is my second, followed by 12 O'Clock High, followed by Letter to Three Wives, followed by Battleground. God, I ran out of steam giving a shit around The Heiress. So, yeah, I actually am going to say A Letter to Three Wives is my second choice, but, uh... I'm I'm gonna give actually a tie between the eras and a letter to three wives because I feel like they do some interesting things that I enjoyed, but were generally not very good movies. <laughs> and then also had some really fucked up things in them that made me angry. Yeah, Battleground is absolutely the bottom no question and then i just don't care about 12 o'clock high at all this year sucked though the academy chose correctly of the five movies they chose to nominate was that the right choice in nominations probably not there were probably better films that came out in this year yeah but yeah maybe there weren't uh I mean, Abbott and Costello meet the killer Boris Karloff, so, like, right off the bat. I mean... No. Um, the Little Women with Elizabeth Taylor and Janet Lee came out this year. I don't know if it's any good, but it did. Wow, really? Mighty Joe Young, which probably is not very... This is not a great year in film. Yeah, I'm looking through, and it is nothing... Nothing is like, oh my god, I can't believe that the Academy didn't nominate the Red Pony. <laughs> um, you know, like... Right, or, you know, Alfred Hitchcock's Under Capricorn, that one that we all remember ever. <laughs> oh, Whiskey Galore didn't make it in somehow. Which is a great, like, Bond girl name, but not a great movie name. Yes. Anyway, let's move on to 1950 and better things. So next week, our first film is Father of the Bride, starring Elizabeth Taylor. And Spencer Tracy. Yeah, whatever, that guy. 
Look, I'm here to see Elizabeth Taylor. Spencer Tracy is uh, over for me at this point. Fair. <laughs> He's too old. Yeah. I'm excited to get into the period of time where the big movie stars become women, which is the 50s. Yeah. And like this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, All About Eve, Sunset Boulevard. These are movies that are driven by at least the presence of beautiful women, if not specifically their stories i've also never seen the original father of the bride i've only seen the one with um uh, steve martin yeah yeah same the two i have seen before are sunset boulevard and all about eve uh, and it's been a long time since i've seen sunset boulevard like was definitely i don't really get this movie age when i watched sunset boulevard so yeah tune in next week when we start to watch good movies again <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And until then... This was another film on the path to why boomers need a lot more therapy than they got in life. Oh. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Lean on somebody? I think they're better than that. And if that's not true, then we're a dead duck. And we'd better find out about it right now. Once and for all. Well... That's that. You called the turn for me once, and I couldn't see it. Now we're even. Good night, Frank. Good night, Keith.